the church of the Lord is called a number of things, but one time in the Bible, the church is called a family. And there's a no more a beautiful representation than that. Because God structured the spiritual family after the, his physical family, because he made them both. We read in the scriptures where the record says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. This is a wonderful analogy between the earthly family and the spiritual family. Every well-regulated family must have a head. And God made man the head of the physical family. The husband, the father, is the head of the, of the physical family. Now that's the way God made it. Because that's the way God wanted it. And that's the way it must be if people are well-pleasing unto our Heavenly Father. Anytime that's not the case, there'll be problems and there'll be trouble. But that's the way the Lord has laid it out. The Bible says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And we also read where that Christ is the head of the church, the spiritual family, as the Father is the head of the physical family, when he says, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Well, he is the head of the body, the church, Colossians 1 and 18. Of course, as I've said to begin with, it is understood that the family here is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the earthly family, all... Uh, Authority and power is resided in the head, which is the husband. He is the head. He has the authority. And that's the way it should be. We find this interspersed throughout the entire teachings of God's Word. And as I said, any time that this father abdicates his position and lets somebody else step in, and become the dominating influence in the family, you're going to see trouble. You're going to have problems. Now, if you're guessing at what I'm saying, is God doesn't approve of a henpecked husband because that is unscriptural. And God doesn't approve of a man who will allow a woman to henpeck him. That's out of God's order, and there will always be trouble. All power and authority then are vested in the head of the family. Jesus said, All power or authority in heaven is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The practice and conduct of the family must then be regulated by the authority of the head of the family, which is Jesus Christ. And we must look to him for all of our doctrine, for all of our teaching, for all of our direction in spiritual things. When we don't do that, we're going to have problems in the church. 
And when people decide that this looks good to me, this looks good to me, and decides to uh, attach some things to the church or to the family that God didn't put there, the head didn't put there, there's going to be trouble in the church. Now the human family was brought into existence by a miracle. Adam was first formed miraculously, and so was his wife. And they were created full-grown, full-grown adults. Everything else that God created was full-grown. The day was full-grown. The birds were full-grown. The trees were full-grown. That's the way God ordered it. Now then, after that, He set into law, into motion, the law of reproduction. And He said, let everything bring forth after His kind. So after that, everything brought forth then after His kind. And there was no way of getting into this world except by physical reproduction. God's birth law. That's the way God set it up. There are no three or four ways of getting into the world. There's just one way. That's by birth. Now then, the spiritual family was created by a miracle. On the day of Pentecost, the church was set up, which is God's family. And it was created full grown. And after that then, God set into motion the law of spiritual reproduction. And every person that's ever been born or ever come into the church has been brought into the church by one way. That's by spiritual birth. Just exactly like it is with the physical family. So that's the way we have it here. And in proof of this, we read in John 3 and 3, He must be born again. We're begotten by the word of God. Of His own will begat He us. With the word of truth, John 1, James 1 and 18. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1. After being begotten by the word of God, being begotten by the word of God, uh, then we are children of God. We are brought forth from the watery grave of baptism. And this very uh, terminology and phraseology is suggested in Romans 6 and 3 where it says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Then in Galatians 3, 26 and 27 we read, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ, in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So that's then how we become children in God's spiritual family. We don't come into the spiritual family by somebody praying in a mourner's beach, by somebody uh, lifting up their hands and testifying that God has laid His hands upon them, we come into there by spiritual birth. John 3 and 3. 
Now this is a preface to my sermon tonight on the family. I want to talk to you now, if my voice will hold up, about some of the blessings which are vouchsafed to those of us who are in the family. And this is only for the family. I'm thankful to be a member of the family of God. I'm thankful that the great God of heaven would look down upon a poor person such as I and adopt me as his son, as his child. That's remarkable. One of the blessings of the family is that we're written in the family record. We're written in the, in the book of life. Somehow God has elected to picture our uh, system as being written in a book. Now that's God's choosing. It's not mine. A book of life it's called. A lamb's book of life it's called. I like to think that God has a special detail over here. A special angel for this particular work. Who keeps up with all of this. Hebrews 12 and 21 we read. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven. Now, a lot of folks tell me, you think you've got to be a member of the church? Well, I'll say this. It's only those who are members of the church who are written in heaven. Now, if you want to be written in heaven, you must be a member of the church, which is, of course, the family. In Luke 10 20, we read a rather interesting account. The 70 went out, commissioned by the Lord, and they came back all a flutter over the fact that they could perform miracles. You know, we've got a lot of folks like that today. They think a miracle is the greatest thing in the world. Well, it's not. And Jesus proves that it's not. They even had power over the evil spirits. And they came back and said, Lord, even the evil spirits are subject unto us in thy name. And Jesus said, don't rejoice about this. I'm going to show you greater works than that. You're going to tread on scorpions. But rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus said that, he expressed to us the fact of the greatest principle in the world that I can have my name written in heaven. My name's not worth much down here in this world. Your name's not worth very much. And a lot of people doesn't even know my name. But you know I can so live that I can have my name on that Lamb's book of life in heaven. And that's greater than performing all the miracles in the world. That's greater than being John D. Rockefeller or anybody else who's a millionaire. Philippians 4 and 3, Paul said, Help those women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, 
and other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. There our names are written. And over in Revelations 3 and 5 we read, He that overcometh the same, he that overcometh, or he, and whosoever rather was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now that's an awesome scripture. The word, find, the word found is found there in this passage. To me, that intrigues me just a little bit. Found. Sounds like he's looking for something. Now, won't it be a, quite an awesome thing to get there at the judgment? And uh, the angel who opens up the books looks and looks. Thank you. And looks. But he finally has to look up and say, Sir, your name is not found in the book. Well, now that's going to be the most dreadful day of our entire life. To have our name in the Lamb's book of life is the greatest thing that can happen. And I would say to all the young people who are achieving for greatness in life, don't worry so much about getting your name in the headlines on the records. Don't worry so much about achieving down here. You make certain that your name is in the book of life. That's the greatest thing that you'll ever do. It really is. We sing the old song, Lord, care not for treasures, neither silver or gold. I would make sure of seven, heaven, I would enter the fold. In the book of thy kingdom, where this page is so fair, tell me, tell me, Lord Jesus, is my name written there. Also, we have this thought interspersed in our hymnology, all through our hymn book, the fact that our names are in heaven. I remember an account uh, of 1893 when uh, a man by the name of Mr. Uh, William uh, James Black was teaching a Sunday school in the Methodist Church. He had a little girl in his class named uh, Bessie. He had found Bessie over beyond the tracks in the poor city, part of the city, sitting on some broken steps of an old house. He was a social worker, so he stopped to see about her condition. She was malnourished, poorly dressed, and in a very poor state. He asked her about coming to his Sunday school class. And she said she didn't have fitting clothes. Well, the next morning, a box of clothes was sitting there for her. So ever since that time, she's been at church. And when he called the roll, she would always look up at him and smile. 
at the roll call. But on this particular Sunday, he was on his way home, walking along the footpath, and he was thinking, why wasn't little Bessie at church today? Well, he learned later that she was very sick and would probably never recover. He got to thinking within himself. James Black, are you prepared for that great roll call up yonder? So he went home and sat down and he wrote the song, When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. That's why he wrote that song. But you know, there's a note that I want to leave with you, and that's this. Your name can be taken out of that book. Well, now that's not the teaching of some people. Because some people say that once your name is there, it'll always be there. Because you can't fall from grace. There's no such thing. And they argue, if you're once God's son, won't you always be his son? Sure. But, listen. God will take your name out of that book. The record says so. While reading Revelation 22, 18 and 19, Whosoever shall take away from the words of the prophecy of this book, his part shall be taken out of the Lamb's book of life and the things written in the book. Well, there's that possibility. Also, I read one of the most unusual passages of Scripture that I know anything about, and that's in Exodus 32, 33, and 32. This is when Moses was upon the mountain talking to God. And the people down in the valley were dancing around a golden calf. God became so incensed over this until he told Moses he was going to blot his name, blot those people out. And Moses went up in the face of God and pled for those people. And God changed his name, changed his mind. Now let me read you what it says. Here's Moses' plea. Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and they're just a blank. Just a blank. Doesn't even finish out the sentence. So I said it was a sob in Moses' voice. He couldn't finish it. But he continues then, And if not... Blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book. But the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever has sinned, him will I blot out of my book. Will he blot your name out? Yes, he'll blot your name out. So, this family record will disinherit you, even as a physical father can disinherit his child and take his name out of the family record. Next, one of the blessings of being a child of the family is that when, I, when one is born into the family, he becomes an heir. An heir to everything there is in heaven. Tonight, I don't own much. I never have owned much. 
But I want to tell you something. I'm an heir to everything there is in glory tonight. And you are too. Romans 8 and 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And I want you to note that that depends upon being a child. I'm a millionaire tonight in spiritual things. I have more wealth than this world could ever dream of. It thrills me sometimes to know that some of us who don't have much down here can have something wonderful over there. I've gone to nursing homes and see little old sisters lying here in a corner. In her younger days, she took the communion to the church. She baked the loaf. She kept the preacher. But now she's reduced to the corner of a nursing home. She just has a, a stipulated income from the government, just enough to keep her there. That's pitiful to me. Brother Linwood, before you leave, say a prayer. And I think how destitute this little old person is. But how wonderful it is to know that this person right here owns everything there is in heaven tonight. And that thrills me very much. I'm a millionaire. You know, there are some things better than gold anyway. Romans 8 and 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And I'm thankful for that. As a child of God, I have a heavenly home over yonder. Paul said in the third chapter of, uh, forget now, uh, Colossians, he said, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Those Colossian people were having a hard time. Some of them were being killed for the cause of Christ. And he said, he said, you seek those things which are above. Well, one of those things is an earth is a heavenly home, of which we'll speak more about later on. Next, when one becomes a child of God, he takes the name of the family. Sure, that's as it should be. That's normal. We do that in the physical home. We do that in the spiritual home. It seems a little unusual that people could religiously believe that we can have all these different names and be a member of the same family. No, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right at all. But we all have one name. In Acts 11 and 26, the record says the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Well, that's our name the name Christian. Because that name encompasses the name of Christ. And He makes the difference. He's the one that validates our lives. He's the one that validates the good deeds I do. The prayer that I pray. I conclude it by saying, in Jesus' name. You know, we're living in a day when Jesus is being downgraded 
When I started preaching a long time ago, I don't guess there was a person in Lincoln County, Mississippi, who didn't believe in Jesus. Now, you could rake them out with a hay rake. It's stylish now to question Jesus. Well, people were back in that day. Jesus said one time, you believe in God, believe also in me. But they wouldn't. They don't today. Muslims and other Oriental doctrines are taking the place of Jesus. I like what Billy Graham's son said one time. I kind of like that fellow anyway. He shoots his mouth off and says what he thinks. That's more than his daddy would do a lot of times. But he told some people who were saying, Oh, we all believe in the same God. Allah and Jehovah, well, it's just God. He said, no, it isn't. My God sent a son down here to save the world. And that's right. And that son's name was Jesus. And he makes all the difference in the world. And when I become a child of God, I take that name and I wear that name. And like I said, it's not stylish to do that today in lots of places. I remember when those towers were uh, destroyed in New York and they had a big meeting over at that Presbyterian church, which they called the Cathedral of America, which is not. It's just a Presbyterian church. Well, they had all these various religious divines there talking and telling the people of America this, that, and the other. They were saying their prayers. Not one of them closed their prayers in the name of Jesus. Only did Billy Graham do that. And I'll have to say that to his credit. And some colored preachers from the South. Well, we've got a fight on our hands. And when we make the confession, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's a very important thing. We run up our flag for Christ. And we let everybody know that we believe in Him. When I become a member of the family, I have brothers and sisters. Spiritual brothers and sisters. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. The record says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. This is the closest relationship there is in this world. We people gathered in this house tonight form the closest relationship there is in this world. You didn't choose who your mother was going to be. You didn't choose who your brother or your sister was going to be physically. But you chose who your spiritual family was going to be. And tonight, you're closer to me than my own brother would be. Because we're all one. 
and we've been made one by the blood of Christ. And when that blood streamed down his side, that was the fulfillment of everything in the past from the night that Abraham told, that God told Abraham that his seed would bless the world till then. And that, as Charles Toller said in his great song, his blood hath made us one. We're all alike. We're all one. In my preaching of the gospel through the years, I've seen some people be baptized who were not too strong to start with. <clears throat> but later on, they begin to go stronger and stronger and learn more, understand more, and become involved in more things. And after a while, sometimes they'd say to me, you know, Linwood, since I've learned what I learned, those people down there at the church are closer to me than my own family. My family's not a member of the church. They don't understand me. I can't talk to them. But those people down there are the closest to me of any people in the world. And that's right. That's the way it should be. And if it's not that way, there's something wrong in that congregation. Of course, I've seen some congregations that were cold as an iceberg and they didn't seem to cherish their relationship. But that's the way it's supposed to be and that's the way it should be. <clears throat> in our earthly homes, sometimes we have our little family get-togethers. We come by for Mama's birthday or Thanksgiving and we all gather around Mama's table and we all are together at the house. But on Sunday, that's the big day when we all gather together around the Lord's table and our brother's with us, the elder brother, and we're all one. We all partake of the same loaf. We drink of the same cup. And if somebody's not there, we want to know where is that child. You know, back home, I was raised in a large family. We had two benches up and down the family, a table. And if that seat was empty, somebody wanted to know where is that child. Go see about that child. Well, that's the way it is in the physical family or in the spiritual family. If that child's not present, we need to know about him and see where he is. One by one, though, down here in this world, our brothers and sisters leave us and they pass on over one by one. And they're gathering on the other shore. But one day... Somehow, some way, I don't know, I think more about it than I used to. But someday we're going to gather there. And we're going to all be together. And that's going to be our big family reunion. Down south we have lots of re family reunions. 
We have lots of church homecomings. Still do. I preached over in Alabama at one for four to five years. But when we get to glory, we're going to all have a big homecoming. And won't that be something? I think that's what Paul was talking about. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. That's what we do down here in the physical family. Well, we're going to gather together over there too. And uh, our homecoming is going to be, you know, just for the family. Just for the family. 1 Peter 3 and 4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, listen, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fades not away, listen, reserved in heaven for you. We got some heavenly reservations. Do you have yours? Do you have your reservation for glory land? I hope you do. Since I've been preaching the gospel, I preached many, many funerals. I preached all kinds of funerals. I preached some some kind of highfalutin funerals where they put on the dog, you know, they say. Then I preached some poor funerals. Some of the poorest things you ever saw. But when we get to glory, we're going to all be one. And uh, it'll be a big homecoming there, a family reunion. A lot of things down here the family is not allowed to partake of. But over there, as we sing the song, heaven will surely be worth it all. And as we look with gladsome eyes at that holy city, I think across the door could be written the words reserved for the family. In these families I preached, I used to walk ahead of the casket and up here somewhere would be a sign on a bench that would say reserved for the family. Well, over there, all these spiritual blessings are going to be reserved for the family. Tonight, are you in the family? Are you a member of the family? I want to quietly insist that you really evaluate this matter and think about it. If you've once been in the family, come back home tonight. Get things together. Make up your mind and serve the Lord. We're going to give the invitation now. And if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you know the plan, I'm sure. I think we're all Christians here tonight. But if you fail somewhere in the trying, come back home. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. 
Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.